the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. Welcome to the interview with Hugh Hewitt, sponsored by AndrewandTodd.com. Andrew and Todd are with Sierra Pacific Mortgage. They help you with all your real estate lending needs. If you're refinancing your home, if you're buying a new home, if you're a senior who wants a reverse mortgage, if you're a veteran who doesn't want to put any money down, whatever it is, if you're in the private real estate market for yourself, and maybe you want an investment property, try AndrewandTodd.com or call 888-888-1172. Now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. The interview with Hugh Hewitt today is with Dr. Anthony Fauci, the president's senior advisor on the virus. Good morning, Dr. Fauci. Good to see you again. Uh, Good morning, Hugh. Always good to be with you. This is about the half dozen time you've been on, and I always get the same reaction. A portion of my audience loves you. Most of my audience doesn't like you, Dr. Fauci. You know that, but, but you come on, and I appreciate it. I would like to begin with two objective things. Kyrie Irving and other major stars in the NBA refuse to get vaccinated. They suggest there's a lot of things wrong with the vaccine. Would you speak directly to Kyrie about the damage he is doing by spreading vaccine lies? Well, I mean, Hugh, it's I think you have to put it into perspective of what is going on in the country with regard to COVID-19. The now, you know, inching close to 700,000 deaths with a vaccine that unequivocally, from a scientific and public health standpoint, has been shown to be highly effective and safe. And although I do respect people's individual rights to make their decisions, there is also a part of it, Hugh, that is what I refer to as societal responsibility. And although there are individual choices that people can make, when you're dealing with a deadly pandemic, You've got to also understand your responsibility to the society within which you live. So I wouldn't want to be pointing a finger at this young man, but I would hope to be able to get him to understand that by allowing the virus to infect you, even though as an individual you say, I'll take my own chances, I don't care, I'm young, I'm healthy, the likelihood that I'm going to get a serious disease is low, which is true, You can't deny that. But what happens is that when you do get infected, it's very well likely that you might pass that infection on to someone who would suffer very terribly from that virus. So you don't want to be a vehicle for the propagation of an outbreak that unequivocally has devastated society. That's what I would appeal to. His but doctor, he does more than that. Kyrie and some other NBA stars put stuff online that suggests that the vaccine is dangerous, that it could hurt you. So you need to speak to them directly. It's not pleasant. What do you say to basketball stars? Well, you know, you you tell them that it's untrue. I mean, the fact is these are people, they're not stupid people. And yet they are somehow or other been convinced of things that are just not factual, Hugh. I mean, you look at the data the data are overwhelming that these are highly effective and safe. And if you look at the track record 
of vaccines in general, what they've done for society and the benefit risk ratio overwhelmingly weighs in favor of the benefit. And it's just factual. I mean, it's it, 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 sometimes it's inexplicable that people can look at data and just say it doesn't exist. I mean, it does. OK, it's just factual. I'll come back to that in a second. I want to go to the panel. I got my booster on Friday. My wife and I, first day of eligibility, first day it was cleared. We're Pfizer people. We were on the wrong side of 65 when the vaccine came out. We were on the right side of 65 when the vaccine's booster came out. So we were first in line. We got it. We're happy. No side effects. Got the flu shot. All good. I want to go back to the FDA panel and the CDC panel. And I'm sure you participated in both their recommendation. I disagree with the recommendation. I think the booster should be available to any American who wants it because this is a free country. Equity issues entered into that conversation. We had advisory panel members bring their own politics to the table about international equity issues. Did you or anybody say to them, that's not your job? Your job is to make a scientific discussion about the booster, not tell us about international equity. Well, Hugh, I didn't take part in addressing or discussing with those advisory groups because that would not be appropriate. But what I have done publicly in multiple forum and telling you now to confirm how I feel, I agree with you on this. This should have been a scientifically based decision, not a decision that is in some respects influenced by other policy type decisions. The United States of America is has done more and is committed to be doing even more to get doses of vaccine to low and middle income countries. We have done more than all of the rest of the world combined. So my approach would be just as you said, that is an important issue, global equity. We are addressing that. The rest of the world of rich countries should also be addressing that. But that needs to be put aside when you talk about what's the scientific basis for recommendations regarding booster doses for those of us here in this country. And it's no secret how I feel. I feel a bit differently from what that recommendation is. The recommendation had a strong dichotomy. It seems like they were saying it is okay as long as you don't wind up in the hospital and die. So if the vaccine efficacy wanes for infection, mild and moderate disease, that's okay. You don't really need a booster now as long as the vaccine efficacy for hospitalization prevention doesn't wane. I don't feel that way. I feel we need to protect not only from getting people in the hospital, that's very, very important, but we don't want people to get sick because if you get COVID, yes, you could get asymptomatic and you could get mild disease. However, you can also get pretty sick and not necessarily have to go to the hospital. So for that, in many respects, I'm agreeing with what we are saying. Well, I hear that. And, and doctor, there's a bigger issue. The government has a job to do, a constitutional order. It's represented by elected people and the president is elected. Advisory committees are not only not elected, they're appointed by bureaucracies. 
if they're imposing their policy preferences on the American people who are our free people, something is badly broken at the FDA and the CDC, and they need to be called out and rebuked. That is not their job. Do you agree with me? No, I don't, Hugh. So I, I, I gave you how I feel individually as a physician, a scientist, and a public health person. But the process of looking at the data and getting the data as it exists now to drive a recommendation is a sound process. They don't always get it right, but they do it in a way that's a process that's a sound process. I believe, and I've said this publicly, that CDC Director Rochelle Walensky did a good thing and a courageous thing by not completely accepting the recommendation of the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. I thought that was a good thing and I thoroughly agreed with that. The thing that got the confusion is saying, what do we know right now about the data versus what I personally, and this is not me as a committee member, but personally would have done is say, we need to stay ahead of the virus. So if you look at what's happening, for example, in Israel, and what is the suggestion of what's happening now, I would have leaned much more towards a broader allowance of boosters for people as opposed to what was ultimately decided. Uh, Doctor, your specialty is medicine and public health. Mine is constitutional law. I've taught it and practiced it for 25 years. And what they are doing is going outside of their lane when they inject the equity discussion into a scientific discussion that leads me to my next question. This is difficult for me, but I want to run down for your benefit. Uh, the controversy since the virus started include the botch testing at the beginning, no research on masks for children in primary care, the J&J pause, the controversy over the um, uh, the use or non-use of ivermectin, and there was no study yet completed. Dr. Collins told me it's not done yet. The uh, the no discussion of of natural immunity, which exists and ought to be out there. The discussion of herd immunity, which is switched switched back and forth. The mask discussion at the beginning: don't wear masks, the noble lie, and then wear masks. Now, equity issues in the FDA panel scientific discussion. I've lost confidence in the CDC and the FDA, and I actually believe a lot of Americans, a significant part of America, now have lost confidence in you, Dr. Fauci. Is there a point where you will say, I do more harm than good because people don't listen to me anymore and step aside? No, absolutely unequivocally no, Hugh. Sorry. I mean, I agree with a lot of the things that you've been saying. You come from a different perspective than I do. But I think the thing that gets lost in the discussion and that people need to understand, and I do know that some people don't understand it and don't accept it, even if they, you know, smart people who evaluate it in their own context, is that we have been dealing with an evolving situation. And I just get back to what I've said before, and I totally understand and respect your differences, Hugh, that when you have an evolving situation, and data are rapidly evolving in something that's unprecedented and unknown, you have to evolve with it and look at the data as it exists now and make to the best of your ability a decision, a recommendation, uh, uh, all the kinds of things that go into 
the evolution. And things have changed. We didn't know things early on. I always get asked the question. It's a very common question. What would you have done back then if you knew what you know now? The question answers itself. (laughs) If I knew then what I know now, the circumstances would have been different. So if this were a completely static situation, Hugh, and people change their mind and change their recommendations and things, you could say, my goodness, they're flip-flopping. What's going on? But it's been an evolving situation. From day one, we had no idea that a virus that could actually kill so many people would be completely asymptomatic in about 50 to 60 percent of people, and that many of the infections, almost half, were transmitted by people who had no symptoms. That's where the mask situation got all muddled. You know that. I mean, I'm telling you something you know. And I could understand when people are looking for definitive answers in an evolving situation, it doesn't work that way, Hugh. It well, no, there's, a, there's a large and a small part, doctor. The large part is not, it, I'll come back to the small part on the masks. I'm told by people in the room that you knew there were a shortage of masks. So you told people not to wear masks so that we didn't have a run on masks. I actually right. understand that as public policy. I, I've read the account. I've talked to the people in the room. I know that you purposely told the noble lie to prevent us running out of masks in hospitals. I think it's bad policy, but I understand the motive. And I understand changing. I change my mind every day. You know, I'm on the air every day. Stuff happens. I change my mind. But what you said earlier, it's just facts sometimes. It's just a fact that Tony Fauci, not the guy I'm talking with, but Tony Fauci, the person in people's mind, is now an impediment to public health because people won't listen to you. They actively reject what Tony Fauci says for reasons which are complicated, have to do with psychology, mass communication, social media. But can you accept that if that's just a fact, you ought to respond to it and say, Mr. President, I think my time is up as a successful and effective spokesperson. You know, with all due respect to to you, Hugh, who who I do respect you and your intellect, I just completely disagree with that premise. Because there are an awful lot of people who do listen, who do the right thing from a public health standpoint. So because there are a lot of people who have ideas about conspiracies and and changing minds and flip-flopping, that's not a reason to step down. Not at all. When I was involved 40 years ago with HIV and the activist community were looking at me as a representative of the, the face of the federal government, and we're trying to get things done. And it looked like we were at odds in the sense of, of really uh, essentially being hostile to each other, which we weren't. That would have been interpreted as, gee, the people who were involved in this particular difficult and, and devastating outbreak don't like what you're doing. Why don't you step down? As a matter of fact, as it turned out, We got close. They understood. I brought them into the dialogue, into the discussion. And the world and the community were much better off with that. So the idea that people right now are not listening to what I'm saying, what I'm saying is the truth. Dr. Fauci, I actually agree. I, I got the booster. I'm Mr. Vaccine. I get the same kind of heat you do. 
And right. so what I'm saying, though, is there comes a point where it is simply a matter of fact that Tony Fauci in the era of social media is different than Tony Fauci at the beginning of HIV. And if a new face for the program developed, we would see an increase in vaccines and an increase in booster use. So if that yeah. data is presented to you, that more people yeah. would get vaccinated if you left the scene, would you leave the scene? Uh, Hugh, I think that is a completely false narrative that people are not getting vaccinated because of me. I am very sorry. I've told you I've known you a long time and I respect you, but I totally reject that people are not getting vaccinated because of me. Are you kidding me, Hugh? Come on. I, I'm trying to explain to you the truth. I, I got vaccinated because of you, but there is a large segment of the American people that doesn't trust you now. And that can't be undone. So I want, I want, I want you to be able to just speak to them. I, I know your heart, I know your public service, but if you're an obstacle to getting vaccination rates up, should you step aside? I am not an obstacle to getting vaccinations up, Hugh. That is a completely false narrative that I would have to absolutely reject. Okay, then, then if you're, is it, are you persuadable on facts? If people show you polling, would that change your mind? Yeah, so people are saying I'm not getting vaccinated because Dr. Fauci is in the government. Are you kidding me? No, actually, I believe that's the truth, doctor. I believe that <laughs> well, I given... Believe it. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry, Hugh. <laughs> that, that is ridiculous. How do you think you're understood by the center right, doctor? I really don't know that you know this. You might have a blind side here. How do you think you're understood? Not by conspiracy theorists. I'm not concerned with the 3%. I'm concerned you know, with the 59 percent. Yeah, but but Hugh, you are creating an absolutely false narrative that people sit down and say, you know, I don't want I know that vaccines are good. I know that they may save my life and that they may save the life of my family and that I have a societal responsibility in order to keep this outbreak under control and to get it really under control. But I'm just not going to get vaccinated because of Tony Fauci. You're not hearing me. You're not hearing me, doctor. You're not hearing me. I'm saying people see you come on and they turn off the channel where because they don't like you. Whereas if a new face arrives, a new younger face that says, OK, new start. I'm never going to tell you that masks don't need to be worn because I got to. If a new person shows up, I think we're more effective. Last yeah. last yeah. response to you, doctor. OK, so you have Rochelle Walensky, a new young face, saying exactly the same thing. You have Vivek Murthy, a new young face, saying exactly the same thing. So even though they are new young faces and saying exactly the same thing I'm saying, people are not getting vaccinated because of me, Hugh Sorry, you go back and analyze that. That's crazy. We'll have that conversation. And I appreciate, as always, your coming. You know how much I respect you, but I think the facts are on my side on this. By the way, tell Dr. Walensky to please do this show like you and Dr. Collins. I would love to talk to her and persuade people to get vaccinated. Very good. I will do that, Hugh. Thanks. Thank you, doctor. Uh, So Dr. Fauci and I disagree. Um, 
I try and be polite when I say it. I try and be polite when I talk about the advisory panels, but that was the last step. When the advisory panel said equity issues are involved, that's not their job. And so when I look through my long list of everything that's happened at the CDC and the FDA, they have blown, I got to get my list out, they have blown so many things. And I believe in the vaccine, and hear me out, you should get vaccinated. Please, Kyrie Irving, get vaccinated. Please, everybody get a booster. Please don't put yourself in harm's way. But do me the favor, people at the CDC and the FDA, understand that the credibility crisis you have is of your own making. You, you botched the J&J. You botched it, not me. You botched the FDA rollout. You botched the mask, not me. You botched the herd immunity, not me. I think we need a new team. Time for a pause now in this edition of the interview with Hugh Hewitt. I want to remind you that our sponsor is andrewandtodd.com. There with Sierra Pacific, they lend you money to refinance your house or buy a home or help your son or daughter become investors in real estate by becoming a non-occupying co-borrower. They help senior citizens with reverse mortgage. They help veterans with no money down mortgages. They help you refinance. So if you need to get money out of your house or you need a whole new house, go to andrewandtodd.com or call them at 888-888-1172. Now back to this edition of Hugh Hewitt and the interview. Good morning, Dr. Collins. Welcome back to the Hugh Hewitt Show. Well, good morning to you, Hugh. Always glad to have a chance to chat. I'm sure you've got questions, and I hope I'll have answers. I do. I, I want to begin so that the audience is grounded. Uh, the bureaucratic blob out there is actually not hard to understand if you've got a map. There's the Health and Human Services Department run by Secretary Becerra. Underneath it are the NIH, which is run by you, the CDC, which is run by Dr. Walensky, and then Dr. Fauci is at a different institute who doesn't answer directly to the secretary, but answers directly to the president. Do I have that right? Um, Dr. Fauci has sort of two jobs. He is uh, directly responsive to the president as the COVID advisor, but he also runs one of the institutes at NIH, so he reports to me. Okay, so here's my first question. Of the advisory panels that we've heard from, and it goes to the advisory panel and boosters. I got my booster, by the way, on Friday. Have you had your booster yet, doctor? Now, I got Moderna, so I'm waiting until we get the data on that to get mine. I'll be lining up and we're happy to get that jab once we have the data to show that Moderna also works, and I think that's probably going to be the case. We're just not quite there yet. Okay, so the, the fetching Mrs. Hewitt and I wander into the CVS on the West Coast because uh, we're both Pfizer people. We got punched again the third dose on uh, Friday. No ill effects. It's wonderful. It works. I want to be as healthy as possible. And I'm a big booster proponent. I'm out there. But I did not like the advisory committee. And I think there were two of them. It gets confusing. I believe there was an advisory committee to the FDA and I believe right. there was an advisory committee to the CDC, and one or both of right. them said only 65 and older. Which one did that, or did both of them do that? Uh, actually, the FDA committee uh, said 65 and older, and also younger people with medical conditions, and also people at high risk for exposure because of their jobs, like healthcare providers. 
the uh, CDC advisory committee got hung up on that last one about whether people with high risk of exposure, well, let's say teachers, let's say healthcare providers, let's say grocery workers, ought to be also offered a booster. And ultimately, they voted against it, but it was a close call, nine to six. And then Dr. Walensky, looking at all the data again, basically decided that she would take their advice about everything else. But in that one, she would say, no, I think we really should offer that to healthcare providers. And I, I agree with her. I think she made the right decision. Now, doctor, the last time you were on with me, you were very patient as I as I use you as my pinata on government messaging. The booster <laughs> is a good thing. People should get the booster. That message is easy. And, and, and pharmacists can deliver it, and you don't need a doctor's note. Somehow these paddles screwed up that messaging so that I read article after article in the nation's many, many different online platforms that have gotten the advice wrong. The messaging got screwed up again. Did you notice that the messaging got screwed up because of the complexity of the advisory council, Dr. Walensky, the White House being mad at the CDC? It was all out there. Meanwhile, the clear, crisp message, get a booster from Pfizer, you can't do it from Moderna yet, but get it as soon as possible was lost. Did you notice that? Well, it was a little hard to sift through all the noise, but you know, we've got to figure out in our country, do we want to have this very public debate uh, where everybody doesn't always agree? Or do we want to do all that behind a closed door and then announce the result? Uh, we did the former. I think it was great lesson in how you make public health decisions, but it wasn't like this crisp, easy, okay, here's what you're going to do. If you want that message, well, go to China. They'll give you that version. We are into this idea of showing the world how we make those decisions. And yeah, sometimes it's not so straightforward. It's complicated and people don't always agree. But you know, get over it. Isn't this really the best way that we can convince people that that we're making decisions that's good for them and not just some arbitrary, okay, that's what I think kind of outcome. No, I actually, I, I, I disagree because we know the science goes on and we would like clear direction. And as a result, and this is tricky, this will get you into trouble. We have a lot of NBA players who may be the most culturally significant force involved in the, in the vaccine debate. A lot of NBA superstars won't get vaccinated. Some NFL well, players James won't. You know, LeBron James says he got the jab. LeBron James is the first. He, he did it yesterday. But there are people like Kyrie Irving with whom he won the championship in Cleveland after the Golden State Warriors were down three to one in the greatest sports comeback in history. I know my James. I know my Kyrie Irving. Have you guys have you guys reached out to the NBA to beg to their players to get vaccinated? They are the biggest impediment, I believe, in the African-American community to the African-American community getting vaccinated. I have not personally done so, and I don't know what's been going on behind the scenes. I am baffled by why this would be something that somebody with such visibility would want to resist when you can see people around you getting sick and dying. Again, we still have 2,000 people every day dying, most of them unvaccinated. Gosh, come on, basketball players. If you've got a chance to do something here to save lives, shouldn't you do that? What is this about anyway? Yeah, well, I don't think they should be allowed to play uh, with with vaccinated players, I really think they should just be sat until they're done because the risk that they present to otherwise healthy people is too immense. Now, Dr. Collins, I want to go back to the advisory council. Did you participate in them? Did you read them? Do you know what they debated about? Oh, yeah, I listened because it was all publicly uh, streamed for anybody who wanted to hear the debate. 
you know, there was an all day meeting of the FDA group on that Friday. And then there were two days of the CDC group. I had a few other things to do, but I had it on on my screen, kind of watching and listening to the things and seeing the data that they were presented to try to make their decisions. Yeah, I watched it. It was it was an interesting process. How much of any of those three participations brought up equity issues about the third world getting the vaccine before boosters or roll out in the United States? That debate is roiling Great Britain right now. Was it part of the advisory council? It was certainly in there. Uh, People did bring it up and worried a bit about whether we were sending the wrong message if we seem to be like already grabbing for a third dose when others haven't gotten their first But the argument, I think, is pretty compelling that we can do both. We don't have to do either or. The production levels are going up rapidly. Uh, And the number of doses we're talking about uh, for boosters in the U.S. for the rest of this year might be 100 million. Meanwhile, we are promising to give uh, something close to a billion doses to the rest of the world because the U.S. has led in that effort. So let's do both and. Now, you, uh, you and I share a worldview, Dr. Collins. We're both Christians. But I have a view of the government, which is constitutionalist and conservative and an originalist. There is no job description for the FDA, the CDC or any advisory committee to do public policy on a question of the efficacy of the booster. To me, they polluted that conversation when they injected equity issues. In other words, should our foreign policy trump our domestic policy? That is not the FDA. That is not the CDC. That is not the NIA. That is the president's call. Did anyone say this is not our job? We were not we're not elected. Nobody knows who we are. We're not responsible to anyone. We ought not to be injecting our own personal political views about equity into what is a scientific issue about whether the boosters work. I don't recall anybody making the speech that you just made. I will tell you this was not a big component of their deliberations. But, you know, who is supposed to make these decisions? There is not a public group of experts that are convened together to advise the government. Again, the government can decide whether or not to take their advice. Dr. Walensky didn't entirely take the advice of her group. But if you are having this done in a fashion where people are really going to benefit from expertise, this seems like the right way to go. And I don't know how you could ask a group of that sort to gather without having some sense that ethics ought to be in the room. And if there's an ethical decision that relates to a global sort of moral responsibility, I wouldn't want to tell them, sorry, you can't go there. That's not your job. They may reflect on it if they want to. It was not a big part of what those conversations led to. Well, I think it infects it. And my answer back to that, doctor, would be, would you want me to perform any kind of surgery on you? I'm a pretty good lawyer, Michigan trained, order of the coif, judge clerked on the D.C. circuit, 30 years of partner in big law. Would you want me to do any kind of operation on you? Well, no, but hang on. No. I don't like your analogy. Come on. I, no, it's a perfect analogy. The administrative state is the, the administrative state is growing out of control. And in Great Britain, These doctors are taking control of policy from duly elected parliamentarians and a prime minister. And I don't want bureaucrats and I especially don't want advisory committees convened to talk about the science, talking about public policy. I mean, I really got to get this through to you. The government is should not be doing this. They shouldn't be asking private citizens uh, policy questions. Those people aren't elected to anything. 
Well, okay. I, I hear what you're saying, but I think in this instance, we're talking about something that's not just a policy issue. It's also an issue about global moral responsibility. I don't think you can ask people to check their morality at the door when they come to make a scientific judgment. That's all tied up there. And that's not the same as being whether you're an expert in surgery or not. We all bring some kind of a moral compass with us. And I think that's a good thing for the most part, as long as it's not overblown and it doesn't sort of step into the way of making a rational scientific decision. I think in this instance, there was not really an issue here to get that concerned about in terms of people getting carried away with their global concerns. Well, global concerns are fine if you're Joe Biden, but I liked it when Ronald Reagan was being operated on at GW. He looked up and he said, I hope you're all, uh, none of you are Democrats. And they all said, we're all Republicans today. Sometimes politics doesn't enter into it, but in an advisory committee, I just wish you'd take it back to him. I don't care what they think about international ethics. I really don't. I want to know if the booster works, because I think the booster should be available to anyone who wants the booster yesterday. Well, I get yeah, Hugh, and I think I can reassure you, having listened to hours of this debate, that that is by far the majority of what they did. I don't think you need to be too worried that this somehow ran off the rails. Well, it, they didn't give it to anyone under 65. And I know Joe Biden wanted to and Ron Klain wanted to give it to everybody. So they've screwed up the messaging. They stopped it arbitrarily. Luckily, in the time since I had to wait for the vaccine when I was 64, I'm on the right side of 65. I think a 64-year-old who wants the vaccine should be pretty ticked off at the government because it's arbitrary. It's an arbitrary deadline cooked up, I believe, because of equity issues. But, doctor, I want to get to a different issue. So let me just push back a minute. I think if they had reservations about not giving it to everybody, it really didn't have much at all to do with equity across the planet. It was really benefits risks. It's clear from the Israeli data, which is by far the best data we've got, that the main risks in not getting the booster are falling on people over 65. So that was a reason to prioritize them. And it was a reason to prioritize people with medical conditions because, you know, if they get sick, they're more likely to get really severely sick. For a very for a person who's like 25 and is not in a profession where they have a lot of high risks of exposures, yeah, the benefit risk of the booster is still somewhat debatable. So I think they weren't ready quite to go there. I think we'll go there after we get more data on younger people, but it just wasn't quite there. But you, I don't think their their reluctance to say, okay, boosters for everybody had much to do with concerns about equity across the globe. Okay, last quick question, Dr. Collins. Please keep coming back. Um, you told me an ivermectin study was underway. Is it yes. going to be, is it done? Have you finished the ivermectin study? We are running it right now on people who just got diagnosed. They get offered ivermectin for three or maybe five days or two different arms here at a dose that ought to be the right one if it's going to have benefit. Uh, we have not unblinded the data. It's randomized. It's placebo controlled. It'll be another month probably before we have sufficient numbers of people enrolled to be able to unblind the data and see what happens. So, but we are going to get an answer and I'll be really glad so I don't have to keep wondering whether this is really as good as anecdotes say, because some of the data that I've seen in other studies is very conflicting. So let's get the, the study done right and get the answer. Please come back when it's out, doctor. I appreciate your time this morning, Dr. Francis Collin, director of the National Institute for Health. Always a pleasure. That concludes today's episode of The Interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, 
Then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. AndrewandTodd.com. Go there, answer a couple of questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888-888-1172. You'll be glad you did and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.